Being fast is really important. Speed kills. How many tests are you running a month? According to Google, some companies are running three to four tests a month, whilst their competitors are running 40 to 60 tests a week. You need to be testing and you need to be testing so fast. Before we get on with this week's show, I'd like to tell you about an online event, Automated Creative Running, called Why Do We Need So Many Ads? An Introduction to Live Creative Optimization. The reality is that your competitors are probably already using live optimization, unearthing new insights and getting huge return for their media spends. We've actually proven over serving 6 billion impressions that brands that don't do this leave 17% of media value on the table. So this event is for newbies and pros. So if you're live optimizing curious or just fed up with how your ads are being optimized then this event is for you if you go to www.automatedcreative.net there is a link at the top of the page Welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of Automated Creative, the creative effectiveness ad tech platform. And this is a podcast about the future of marketing industry from a data-driven marketing perspective. I'm on a call with Paul Robinson, who is Director of Marketing, Europe, Middle East, Africa, Central and Latin America at Jabra. So Paul, for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do, can you give the audience a bit of background? Sure. Hi. Thank you very much, Tom, for inviting me. It's really great to be here. Um, there's a huge amount of valuable information in the shiny new pod, so I'm very excited to make a contribution. So introducing myself in, in less than a minute, um, I have 25 years of experience in marketing, brand, business management, category management, and management consulting. I've worked local level, region level, and global level. And some of the brands I've worked at are Sony, Philips, Ultimate Ears, Jabra, Logitech, B&O, Blue, and Jaybird. And I've also worked in a lot of areas within those companies. So TV, audio, gaming, creating and streaming, headphones, new product development, health and wellness, wireless home, PC and microphones. So you could say I've been around the block. Right, Paul. I have ridiculously high expectations about how you can shed insight into being a better data-driven marketer. So thank you for that. So first off, are you a marketing book person or not? And if you are a reader, what do you read and what's your favorite title from a marketing perspective? I uh, love this question, Tom. Thank you. Um, I read a lot of books, actually, and research papers. Three I recommend a lot, uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins, um, the How Brands Grow series, Byron Sharp and Jenny Romanic, um, influenced by Robert Cialdini. But the book I've most recommended is really a must read for leaders. It makes you wiser and more humble. And that book is Fooled by Randomness by Nassim Taleb. It explores the pervasive influence of luck and randomness in our lives, the misattribution of success to ability and the failure to lack ability, and when often chance has played a significant role. It contains so many lessons, like the illusion of control, where we need to acknowledge the influence of uncertainty. The next time your sales spike, was it really something you did, or was your main competitor simply out of stock? Or did those favorable changes in local currency exchange rates help you achieve your stretch targets? Or was it all down to you? I'm not saying, by the way, that luck or chance are bad things. I think Napoleon remarked, I'd rather have lucky generals than good ones. So it's really about learning not to be complacent and leading with balance and humility. I think another important lesson actually from the book is the survivorship bias, where correlations in the successful are regarded as causation. Tim Cook, for example, very successful chap, gets up every day at 4 a.m. But is that really the reason why he's successful? 
I think it's really key that you have to look at the total group um, and not just focus on the successful and that you consider really what it is that's driving that. Right. <laughs> Thanks for removing the need for me to actually read that book. That sounds fantastic. And it reminds me, I think I've shared this in the podcast before, is the guy, I think he's the CEO of Can Lion or someone like that. And someone said like, you know, what's the secret of your success? And he, and he said, well, it's, it's luck really. You know, if I was born in Sudan, like I wouldn't have this job. You know, there's so many things is that you're born with, whether that's, you know, if you want to be a basketball player, you've got to be a certain height. You know, if you want to be really successful in advertising, it does help if you have parents that live in London, for example. So it's an uncommon, but what I'm curious to know is how you do anything with that. Yeah, sure. Like finding correlation and causation, but if you're working in marketing, you're going to be responsible for KPIs and reporting against those. Like, how do you stop yourself being fooled by randomness? What can you actually do with the insight that it's not all on you, no matter how good or bad you are? Yeah, I th- for me, I think it's actually it's it's less about stopping yourself being fooled by randomness, but really recognizing and acknowledging that it's there. So I think it's it's really a warning not to be complacent and not to kind of um, have a huge ego and think that everything you're doing is related to you. Like the examples you just gave, I think many things are circumstance or or luck related, like the basketball player and his height. So you just have to acknowledge those things and really be a balanced leader and have humility in, in your leadership. So moving on now to your top tip from a data-driven marketing perspective. What is that bit of advice that you find yourself sharing most often that you think actually delivers provable results in data-driven marketing? Well, Tom, there's really there's really lots of advice um, to give. So it's a very cruel question to ask for just one. Um, I, I, off the top of my head, I think being fast is really important. Speed kills. So how many tests are you running a month? According to Google, some companies are running three to four tests a month, whilst their competitors are running 40 to 60 tests a week. So I think it's really eye-opening there that you can see um, you, you need to be testing and you need to be testing so fast. Um, I think there's things like uh, making use of qualitative data. Um, a couple of examples are good examples. A car manufacturer was focusing marketing budget on customers configuring the most expensive cars as being the best leads. But actually in focus groups, they found that better leads were those visiting the website that were looking at financing and leasing terms and APRs. And recently, actually, I had one for headphones. So shoppers we spoke to in store were all asking, will these earbuds work with my iPhone? And a campaign featuring the message made for iPhone gave a significant uplift in CTR against what we've been using before. Actually, I think on that on that point, creative and message, they really make a big difference in performance. So don't don't forget this. Another real example, we tested a lead and call to action. And which one do you think would get the highest CTR? So the first one's built for gamers, go to gaming, or are you a gamer? Join gamers now. As a man who runs a business that does testing, I, I'm going to decline the question. Um, I, would, <laughs> I, I would say that you are doing an A-B test. And I think that's a mistake because all you're going to do is work out which one works, not what is the psychological trigger behind it. So in our methodology, what we would do is work out what are the themes around the, the gaming message that are within gaming itself and then test you know upwards of like 30 different variables to work out what was the driver because in an a and b scenario you're just going to have this did better than that and which is yeah yeah it's, it's quite field. right it's quite right to look for to look to optimize and come up with the best and actually anyway it's the latter the latter more than doubled the ctr so are you a gamer join gamers now has uh has basically doubled the ctr um and also i think on on that thinking about what the right metrics are so Things like ROAS, for example, they're unlikely to be your most important metric for growth. 
And chasing improvement in ROAS can lead you to invest pretty much unwisely or even harm your growth, particularly if you're picking up people that would already buy from you um, and not new customers. And I think I've I've seen that quite often, particularly from my friends working in finance, where they've where they've been really challenging my marketing team on what the ROAS is for activities, and then having obviously to explain a cross-functional reason why that might not be the most important driver to grow the business. So we're going to move on now to your shiny new object, which is direct consumer D2C. So not the newest thing in the world, maybe brand new to some companies, old hat to other companies. So I'm curious to know why D2C is your shiny new object. Well, the obvious new and shiny object actually that I thought about was AI powered marketing and brand activities. I'm hugely excited about AI. I listened to one of your uh, pods and, and, and you explained the same. And I've been using it for a couple of years, but almost none of us yet have got past the 10,000 hours of practice that makes someone an expert. So I thought I'd try to pick something a bit more valuable for listeners that's a red hot topic where I'm well past 10,000 hours with about 20 years of experience. And that's D2C, direct to consumer. And specifically, I'm talking about manufacturers using D2C as part of a multi-channel brand strategy. So I'm not talking about the kind of pure play D2C brands. And I'm also talking about digital D2C, so not talking about physical retail stores operating under the brand. Now, all of us probably slept last night on a mattress that we bought direct from a manufacturer. So like you said, for a lot of people, you're probably thinking, hang on, D2C is not new. E-commerce has been around, I think, since the 1970s, and we've had D2C in the UK since around about 95, um, pioneered by Amazon and eBay and Tesco and Dixon's, PC World and Argos, amongst others. So please let me explain what's new and valuable for you. For 20 years, since around the mid-90s, D2C followed a path of slow, gradual, continuous Darwinian evolution, steady but unremarkable sales growth relative to other channels. Starting primarily as a web-based brand experience, over time, manufacturers, D2C has added sophistication. So we've got things like technical product information, customer service, quick start guides, user manuals, product education and how-to materials, enablement of direct sales, um, SEO optimization, mobile adaption and optimization, integrating stock availability, integrating user reviews, which incidentally, just having five reviews increases conversion rate by around 270%, um, we found, so it's huge, Um, and consumer outreach. So again, emails that we send tend to get three to 5% response rates back, which is much better than the less than 1% um, CTRs that you see on lots of other activities. And we've also started to integrate things like where to buy. But still, for most multi-channel manufacturers, D2C, was regarded as a kind of perfunctory sales activity because other channels just dominated sales and revenue. So here is where we get to what's new. Over the past five years, I think multiple trends have emerged that would lead us to a kind of big bang moment for D2C. Manufacturers that were pure play native D2C brands started to break into the mainstream, driven initially by very low cost of acquisition costs in relation to high order profitability. And this brought a kind of big technology, supporting technology um, improvement. We've then had social media overtaking shopping in physical stores as the primary source of product discovery, with people switching instantly from scrolling to shopping and back again. And then retailers, particularly like Amazon UK, have really turned people on to buying online. 
I think Amazon UK sales increased 82% in the past 24 months, up to up to 21 roughly. And I think half of UK households, they now have Prime. Um, they now have a Prime subscription. And you've got digital online native consumers and generations entering now and coming into the consumer market. So millennials and Gen Z come in. And then I think finally, the economies of fulfillment, um, direct to consumer, the infrastructure around this, this has really significantly improved with scale. And I saw a stat recently that in the UK, a courier visits every household with a parcel every other day. So all of these kind of enablers were cooking around in the background. And then the big bang happened um, in the latter part of 2020 into 21. And D2C had a kind of punctuated equilibrium moment. Sales just erupted, ignited by the COVID lockdown and store closures. And in the few years since, B2C direct commerce globally has increased by 125%. Manufacturers that are active in D2C um, have probably seen D2C being their highest growth channel. Triple and high double-digit sales growth is 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 pretty likely to be what they've seen. To pick an example, um, Adidas, they've done about 40% of their total revenue via D2C last year, um, and they now have 300 million Adi Club members in 50 countries. So a kind of new brand direct consumer buying behavior has been emerging, um, especially amongst millennials and Gen Z. Discover products on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Research online, buy online, direct from brands. This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Manfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest and most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. So right now, D2C is critically important for all manufacturers, and it's a growth driver for the total business. So I think that brings me on to why D2C is shiny. D2C benefits consumers, and as part of a multi-channel strategy, it can be a growth driver for your whole business. That's all channels. D2C is just a massive opportunity. So some of the headline benefits D2C is bringing consumers is based on direct consumer feedback. Future products will much better fit consumer needs and wants. Um, it's been difficult to buy products in some territories, but now products are becoming available in new territories worldwide. Products can be personalized. Um, you can have your name engraved on your, on your uh, Jabra case for your earbuds. Um, the shopping experience is becoming much more personalized as well with recommendations um, and fit with the other products that you already uh, own. Buying's got easier, and we already talked about the dominance of social media for discovery and how that's influencing online purchasing. Um, D2C shopping services are really improving. Um, you've got free returns and courier updates now as pretty normal behavior. Um, and I think also new complementary adjacent offers can be uh, quickly brought to market. So if you think about Cornerstone, they were a shaving uh, company. Now they have hair loss treatment, erectile dysfunction treatment, condoms, weight loss, moisturizers, toothpaste, deodorants, shampoos. They really start to act like a concierge for the modern man. It's very exciting. So I think this and also unique promotions, which can be quite difficult to run in store, especially when bought with. So you have things like um, Huel, who ship meal shakers and T-shirts with orders. 
This is very difficult to do in store from a logistics perspective to have this kind of when bought with offer. And I think also, of course, special limited edition drops, um, which are which are great to copy from the fashion area, um, are now also moving into other industries with uh, with these great products available online for consumers. So loads of opportunities and benefits for consumers. And I think also um, important to add, all channels still remain important. Um, and some of those headline benefits for D2C and other channels are, are, are equally as valid to talk about. So I think there's really um, growth opportunity that D2C can help other channels have. So let me share a few of those. I think it's possible uh, that we'll see much less returns in future because of the better products um, already mentioned. I think D2C can really help um, get shoppers into stores to experience product. So I saw um, recently, actually, um, I read around 79% of shoppers in the UK didn't know a retailer where they could buy Fitbit. So that's uh, that's unbelievable, right? So I think that there's really um, support that a kind of direct consumer channel can do from the manufacturer to help get people to the stores where, where products are listed. We know shelf space is very limited um, in stores. So it's really valuable to get that optimal product assortment on the shelf in store. D2C can help with that because we can learn very well which product and combinations of product work best and can generate the most revenue for the retailer. Um, you've got more effective marketing and materials and campaigns coming um, because we're able to test these really well. So we're really testing, learning, testing, learning, and optimizing those. And that then benefits other retail channels. Um, there's lots more localized content coming, user-generated content especially. Um, I think Snag Tights is a good example here where they've been using user-generated content, um, especially local user-generated content, which can be extremely expensive and difficult to do as a brand. Um, they've been able to pull that together. And actually, interestingly, they found around 10% of their customers were men. Um, so they actually started to have uh, content of male users wearing uh, snag tights. I think there's a lot of valuable consumer insights like that one that can be generated from uh, D2C surveys. So are you buying this as a gift? Um, what are you looking for? Um, what can we what can we do better? All of these things can really help to improve your total business. And I think D2C can really showcase multi-category user cases in a way that stores can't. So to give you a concrete example, if you're a content creator in gaming, you would need to visit at least five different departments within one physical store to be able to put your rig together. And none of those departments would be able to give you any advice on putting your rig together. Um, on the job that you want to do. It's it's just simply not there. So D2C can really bring the user case stories together and really um, present them in a very nice, understandable way online. And then, of course, give some educational um, material on for the, for the consumer, which can then help them when they visit stores um, and get to experience the product itself. So I think also over, overall, D2C is, is really increasing demand pull. For, for brands that are that are actively uh, pursuing it and using it as a growth driver. And that, of course, benefits all channels. So that's why I've picked D2C as new, and that's why I've picked D2C as shiny. So anecdotally, uh, one of our clients uh, that will remain very nameless was in the, <laughs> I guess, I guess the uh, FMCG space, is, is safe enough to be broad, uh, stopped doing D2C. And I'm curious to know, why do you think brands are pulling out of the space, given you've given such a powerful rallying cry for its benefits? I, I, well, I'd love to know the brand. <laughs> I think Not then, now, Paul. That's the only Not way right can, now. <laughs> that, that, that would probably be the only way I could answer, Tom, because every, everything that I'm looking at and seeing is, is really suggesting that D2C is a very big opportunity for consumer tech brands 
with consumers and and also with across other channels, so helping the total business to grow. So do you think that it is dependent upon a brand being, I don't know what you would call it, I would call it a catalog business. Yeah. So a Jabra or a Bose or a Sonos or a, you know, like, does it require there to be lots of SKUs in order for it to be really valuable? Whereas if Weetabix did it, for example, like, you know, actually they've got a handful of products, but you know, there's not, you're not going to buy, oh, when I, everyone who buys Weetabix also buys like Weetabix minis or whatever they're called. Like, is, is there a certain sort of brand that it has to work for and are FMCG brands getting distracted by it? I don't think it's that. I definitely don't think it's that because I think that there, if I, if I think of some of the most successful D2C brands, there's both multi-product brands and, and relatively narrow product range brands. I mean, I think Adidas is a great example. Adidas publicly, they've committed to do 50% of their revenue via D2C, I think by 2025. So, I mean, this, this is, there's a huge number of SKUs there. So jump back to your your most successful. Who who are the heroes here? Like like who are your top five? Um, I th- yeah, I think in my industry, Apple have Apple have led the way. Um, I was I think particularly with the personalization and the value add that they've created. I think with Apple, you can almost see a whole kind of channel pricing premium this strategy, um, where effectively you can you can buy direct from Apple, and there's various value add. Um, or you can look to buy your Apple product from a from a consumer tech retailer or from uh, from an onliner. But to put, but to push you on to push you on Apple is that there's going to be pe- the majority of the people who listen to this podcast will not have work for Apple and have their budgets or be at a comparable brand level. So I'm always a bit anxious about using. I mean, you're I'm not saying you're wrong about Apple, but they have a they're in a different league to the majority of marketers you know so if i'm i don't know if i work for Costco or i work for you know a, a scale up like mattress company to your point like is there just a certain sort of threshold with d2c that allows you to experiment that allows you to massively invest in your com into your support structure your distribution and all that kind of stuff so i just what i'm trying to work out is when a brand should decide to go big on it what kind of brand what kind of setup should they have because not everyone can afford to go big on d2c in in the chance that it might not work for them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great question. Thanks, Tom. Um, you, I don't think you have to be big. So I think there's a there's a very small. I, th- I think they're called Height Denim, a very very small, um, almost artisanal workshop denim company in Wales, um, and they they actually have simply been building a D 2 C business with with very little marketing investment. They actually operate and run their business around a newsletter. Um, and the newsletter itself is a very nice lifestyle, um, story related kind of, it's got thing. It's not about denim, right? It's got stuff about coffee and stuff about music and all sorts of things. It's, 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 it's really nice. It's a really good read, actually. And I think about 80% of their sales are coming from basically in, in the direct channel are coming from this weekly newsletter. So yeah, it, it's, it's talking about craft beers and, and great design and great architecture and well-being and, and, and fun and all these things. And they're able, they're able to run a going concern from that. So I don't think that you need to be big. You don't need to be an Apple. Um, I think D2C can, can work really well, even for small companies like, uh, like this one. Well, Paul, unfortunately, we've run out of time because I could definitely dig far deeper into all of your knowledge here. <laughs> it's, it's been, yeah, I, I feel like I've just, I feel like I've scratched the surface and I'm sure the audience will too. So Paul, if someone wants to get in touch with you, where is the right place to do that? And what makes a message that you'd actually respond to? Uh, LinkedIn. Um, I think that's by far the best. 
very, very good um, wherever I am in the world and whatever time of day I can pick up a LinkedIn message. And then I would say, if you if you want to get in touch, just connect and message me. You, you don't need to dress things up, right? I, you, you don't need to come with the presentations or anything like that. It just, um, yeah, just, just come to me directly. It's good. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Tom. I, I really enjoyed talking with you, actually. Um, and I hope the listeners found, found this podcast interesting. Well, that's a massive relief. Cheers, Paul. <laughs> Hi, just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the shiny new object podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast, I'll be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything. I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.